If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'm Shelby, and I'm the Director of Discipleship here at Favumsi. Today, we are kicking off a new series called Pressing Into the Parables. This summer, throughout the rest of June and July, we'll be pressing into one of the parables of Jesus each week. Parables were one of Jesus' primary teaching tools. They make up about a third of all of his recorded sayings in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Parables are short stories that were intended to teach Jesus' audience something about the nature of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, as it is also called, uh, these two things mean the same thing, um, is basically the entire realm over which God rules and reigns, including the heavens and the earth. This is a concept that can admittedly feel very abstract and intangible. But in the parables, Jesus takes this abstract concept and draws a comparison with something more concrete. To illustrate what the kingdom of God is like, Jesus tells a story about something more familiar and relatable. These stories full of everyday ordinary images paint a picture of what the kingdom of God is like. They prompt us to think about and visualize the kingdom of God in a new way. They provoke a new thought in us, leading us to a deeper understanding of who God is and what God's kingdom is like. But the parables at their best don't just cause us to think differently, but to act accordingly. They provoke a new thought and a corresponding action. This pairing of thought and action is essentially what we call discipleship. It's asking the question, what is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? And so throughout the months of June and July, as we press into the parables, we are going to be asking ourselves this question. What does this parable provoke in us? What new thought and corresponding action does this parable provoke? We're calling this series Pressing into the Parables because we really want to press past easy interpretations or assumptions about what each parable means. Sometimes a parable seems so straightforward or we've heard it so many times that it's easy to assume we know what it means without really paying attention to the details and nuances of the story. On the other hand, sometimes a parable seems so confusing that we don't even attempt to understand it. In this series, we're hopeful that we can strike a balance between the two, allowing the parables to speak to us in a new way, while also savoring their complexity teasing out the hidden flavor or mysterious ingredient of each one. It seems fitting that as we begin this journey through the parables today, the two we will be savoring this morning actually involve food-related things, a mustard seed and yeast. And so if you have your Bibles with you, um, we are in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 33, or you can follow along on the screen. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour, until all of it was leavened. Now, an easy interpretation of these two parables might assume they mean something like, big things come from small beginnings. 
And while that interpretation is not necessarily wrong, I think we're missing something if that's all we take away. In her book, Short Stories by Jesus, The Enigmatic Parables of a Controversial Rabbi, New Testament and Jewish Studies professor Amy Jill Levine says that if we hear a parable and think, I really like that, and fail to take any challenge from it, we're not listening well enough. And I don't know about y'all, but I personally am not particularly challenged by the general idea that big things come from small beginnings. So even though I had heard these two parables interpreted that way before, I knew I needed to dig a little deeper. I needed to press in. When I pressed in, I began to uncover layers of meaning that I had never thought about before, meaning that was hidden beneath the surface. Pressing into these two parables provoked new thoughts for me that went beyond the easy interpretations I had heard before. I mentioned before that in the parables, Jesus tells stories about familiar items and relatable situations to teach us something about the kingdom of God. Well, in these two parables, he literally compares the kingdom of God to two cooking ingredients, mustard seed and yeast, both things that would have been commonly available to people in Jesus' context. Although yeast in Jesus' context was not the sort of fast-rising instant yeast you can buy now, it would have been like today's sourdough starter, but we'll come back to that later. Maybe mustard seed and yeast or sourdough starter are things that you have in your kitchen right now too, especially if you're the kind of person who really likes to cook or bake from scratch. But if not, think about something that is in your kitchen, something you always have on hand. For me, it might be the kingdom of heaven is like coffee, or the kingdom of heaven is like peanut butter. Always have a jar of jiff in our pantry. The point being, Jesus didn't say that the kingdom of heaven is like this super rare ingredient that you can only find in certain stores or certain seasons or that only grows in a certain remote region of the world. He didn't compare the kingdom of heaven to something hard to find or far away or only accessible to certain people. He compared the kingdom of heaven to things that would have been readily available, readily accessible, things that might have already existed in people's homes. Sometimes we think of the kingdom of heaven as something far off in the future or someplace far away. It doesn't always feel like a present reality in our lives. But what if, in comparing the kingdom of heaven to a mustard seed and yeast, Jesus was saying that it's actually available to us in our everyday, ordinary lives? What if he was saying that the kingdom of heaven is not something far off and out of reach, but something already present and accessible to us in a way here and now? What if the kingdom of heaven can be found in things as ordinary as grocery shopping, changing diapers, washing dishes, mowing the lawn. It might not always feel that way, but Jesus said that in him, the kingdom of God had drawn near. It had come close. It was at hand. What if the kingdom of heaven is already right in front of us and we just have to recognize it? We just have to see it and think about it in a new way. In his book on the parables, author and theologian Richard Richard Lisher puts it this way. If we can't meet the kingdom amidst the pots and pans of daily life, of what earthly use is it? These two parables don't end there. 
Jesus doesn't just say the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. In both parables, there's also a human actor that takes the ordinary ingredients and does something with them. In both parables, there's human agency involved. A seed that isn't planted will never grow. The mustard seed is just a seed until the man in the parable takes action, sows it in a field, and it becomes something more. Yeast that isn't kneaded into dough does nothing. The yeast in the parable is just yeast until the woman takes it and mixes it in the flour. Only then does it do something, leavens the dough, and causes it to rise. A mustard seed and yeast. Two ordinary ingredients that both have great potential, but that potential has to be actualized in order for them to become something more. What if Jesus is saying that it's not enough to just see or think about the kingdom in a new way, but we're actually called to do something in response? This makes me think about times in my life when I've had a good intention or a good idea, but have failed to follow through. I am going to confess in the notes app on my phone, I often have at least one note that says something like, write card to insert person's name here, or birthday gift for Kayla. That's actually a note in my phone right now. And her birthday was in May. I'm a little behind. I need to get on that. Sometimes I act on these intentions and do these things and I'm able to check them off my list. And sometimes days, weeks, months go by And finally, I just sort of delete them. They were ideas that had potential, but it was never actually actualized. I don't know what it is for you that you've thought about doing, but haven't actually gotten around to doing. Something you've noticed or observed, but haven't acted upon. A way that God has been nudging you, but you haven't responded yet. Maybe it's striking up a conversation with that neighbor that you always walk by, but you haven't really gotten to know. Maybe it's a creative endeavor, writing something or sharing a gift that you have for music or art. Maybe it's reaching out to that friend or family member that you haven't spoken to in a while, or checking in on that colleague who has just seemed a little off lately, not quite themselves. Maybe it's just taking a moment in your day to pause and pay attention and listen for God. Maybe it seems like a small thing, like it's not a big deal if it doesn't actually happen. But what if it matters more than you know? What if God is just waiting for you to act on it so that God can turn it into something more? Because here's the other thing about these two parables. Ordinary ingredients, human agency, yes. But in both, the outcome, the ultimate result, is something far beyond human control. A man plants a mustard seed, a woman mixes yeast into flour. They both set something in motion, but then an organic process takes over that they are not responsible for or in control of. The seed takes root and begins to grow. It becomes a tree. Birds come and nest in its branches. The yeast is mixed in with three measures of flour, which would have been equivalent to 60 pounds of dough, or enough to make that many loaves of bread. Okay, so both of these outcomes are a little bit ridiculous. There is a great debate on the internet about whether a mustard seed can actually become a tree, or is it a shrub, or is it a bush, is it a tree? 
the idea is questionable at best. And 60 loaves of bread is a huge amount of bread for one woman to bake. I asked uh, my friend, one of our communion bakers, uh, how many loaves of bread she usually makes for communion Sunday. And she said she usually makes between 16 and 20 loaves. So multiply that by three. We're talking about enough bread for three communion Sundays at Pavumsi. A lot of bread. I think that's part of the point. Amy Jill Levine says that every parable has a touch of the absurd. The idea of a mustard seed becoming a tree where birds make nests in its branches. The idea of one woman taking some yeast and making 60 loaves of bread. These things seem slightly absurd. But God takes small things and small actions and turns them into something more. God is able to do improbable, unrealistic things with ordinary ingredients and people. God takes the small things we have to offer and multiplies them beyond our imagining, beyond our ability to fathom, beyond what we would ever be able to accomplish on our own. Big things can come from small beginnings with God's help. The problem comes when we do one of two things. We either try to do it all ourselves or we leave it all up to God. In one of his letters to the Corinthians, Paul describes how he planted a seed and someone else watered it, but it's God who makes things grow. When it comes to kingdom things, none of us can take the credit because it's not about us and it's not all up to us. Sometimes we try with clenched fists and gritted teeth to force things into being, to force things to become what we want them to be. We forget that we are part of a larger process that is beyond our control. We are participating in something bigger than ourselves. At the same time, we're not meant to leave it all up to God either. God has invited us into partnership, but sometimes we get to feeling like the small things we have to offer don't matter. We don't know what to do with the ordinary ingredients in our lives to make them add up to something, to make meaning out of them, so we don't do anything at all. We wonder if the small things and ordinary ingredients really have the potential to make a difference. Are they worth doing if we can't see the immediate impact? I said before that we would come back to sourdough starter. Because the yeast in the parable is really more like what we know as sourdough starter than the fast-rising instant yeast you can buy in stores today. Recently, a friend baked me a loaf of bread that she made from her sourdough starter. But this sourdough starter that she had had come from a mutual friend of ours who had gotten it from her mom's friend in Canada. So this sourdough starter had originated way back in our friend's mom's friend's family in Canada. It's been in her family a long time. There's no way the person in her family who initially created that sourdough starter could have known how far it would spread, the impact it would have, and all the people it would feed. I think the kingdom of heaven is like that. It spreads when we pay attention to the ordinary ingredients in our everyday lives, respond to them, and trust God with the outcome. 
when we partner with God to do small things in what may feel like small ways, but that may have far-reaching impact beyond our capacity to know. The kingdom of heaven spreads when we trust the process and trust that the Holy Spirit is working, even when growth seems invisible and progress takes time. And so this is the provoking question I'm asking myself in response to these two parables. I invite you to ask it too and go have conversation about it or journal about it. The question is, how can I use the ordinary ingredients of my everyday life to participate in the kingdom of God? For example, maybe one day this week when you are making a meal that you would be making anyway for your family, you make double so you can take a meal to someone else in your neighborhood or a friend. Or maybe the next time your kid asks you to play the same song that they've wanted to hear over and over and over again, you actually put down whatever it is that you're importantly doing and sing along. Vacation Bible School is coming up, friends. Or maybe it's simply that when you wake up in the morning, instead of jumping right into the activities of the day and all the things that need to get done, You take five minutes to sit and be with God and ask God to help you pay attention to the small things, the ordinary ingredients of that day. I don't know what it is for you. I do know that the ordinary ingredients, the small things matter. And when we pay attention to them and respond to them in our everyday lives, God takes what we have to offer and uses it for the kingdom. Good things grow and spread and flourish. May it be so. Pray with me. God of mustard seeds and yeast, God of giant trees and ridiculous amounts of bread, you take the small things we have to offer and turn them into bigger things that we than we can fathom or imagine. It doesn't always make sense to us, but we don't need to understand or make sense of how your kingdom works in order to participate in it. So help us, God, to pay attention to the ordinary ingredients in our everyday lives. Help us to notice the small things and small ways we can partner with you in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith with the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org, to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, And while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community here in the greater Fuquay Varina area. Um, fvumc.org slash give would help you uh, join in with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Fuquay Varina United Methodist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing it again soon.